Amen. <laughs> now, I was excited when I got to church this morning, but it looks like you all have been excited about getting to church this morning as well. And I am, I am thrilled. Today is my first official Sunday here at Sherwood. Yes. I'm excited. We get a chance. Oh, thank you all. Thank you. We get a chance today to begin a brand new message series on relationship with God. I get a chance to teach on intimacy with Christ. And then throughout the day, I get a chance to hang out with and get to meet a lot more wonderful people with Sherwood. It's like God's given with both hands today. I am thrilled, absolutely thrilled. Now, this may sound strange to those of you who have lived in Albany or lived in this surrounding area for most of your life, but I am also excited about some rain. <laughs> After 18 years of being in the Las Vegas desert where you might get one, one and a half inches of rain a year. That's right. I pray for rain all the time. And I've had some people say, you need to be backing up those prayers a little bit right now because I think last week alone we had about a foot and a half, two feet of rain here. So now the other side of that is I might have to get a boat to get to church. That sounds like good justification for a boat, Bria. That's spiritual. We, we need it. It's ministry. It's ministry. So anyway, on behalf of my family, we want to thank you all again just for the incredible, incredible welcome, the blessings, the, the prayers. Uh, thank you all. We had so many offers for people to say, you know, we'd love to help you unpack. We'd love to drop off a meal, people dropping off gift cards and baskets. We we feel so unbelievably loved and blessed. We don't know what to do with ourselves right now. So thank you all so much for all of that. It has been incredible. So this morning, we are starting this brand new series with a number of questions. Now, don't get upset about questions. I actually got you some easy questions. It's true and false. So honestly, you got a 50% shot one way or the other. But act like you actually know the answer. So anyway... I want you to shout out just your answer to these questions in just a moment, and you will know exactly when. So here's the first of those. True or false, the Christian life is not about religion, it's about relationship. True, absolutely. True or false, the Bible teaches that humanity was created for relationship. Our sins separated us from that relationship, and Jesus can restore that relationship. True, absolutely. Here's one that you've heard me share several times, true or false. Everything God desires to do in and through your life, he will accomplish out of the overflow of your relationship with him. True. true. You all are all theologians in the making. I love it. So let's change our testing method. Essay. I'm tricky like that. Define relationship. Maybe another way would be share five ways that relationship is any different than religion. Or maybe another one, in simple terms, what does it look like to live out of the overflow of your relationship with God? All Christians are trained to answer the easy questions. Is God real? Yes. Is prayer important? Sure. 
Is relationship with God essential for eternal life? Absolutely. Define what that relationship is like. This is critically important. For believers to live out of the overflow of relationship with God, they have to know what it's like. They have to understand relationship. They have to, in some ways, you have to open up the hood and you got to dig down and find out what's under the surface a little bit. Relationship with God is essential to everything God desires to do in and through your life. So today we begin a new message series just entitled Relationship That I May Know Him. That's our focus. I, I want to focus this first series on every single person in the room, wherever you might be. You do know, regardless of where you are in your walk with God, 10 years, 20 years, 5 weeks, 5 days, regardless of where you are in your walk with God, there's always another level he wants to take you to. There's always more he wants to show you about himself. So my prayer in this first series is that every single person who is here gets an opportunity to grow deep, deep in their individual relationship with God. It's all going to flow out of that first relationship. So over the next five weeks, we are going to camp out in one set of verses. Basically, it's five verses. If you'd like, you can go ahead and turn there right now. Philippians chapter 3. We're going to be in verses 7 through 11. But not only are we going to be there this morning, for the entire five weeks, we are going to be in the exact same set of verses. Good news is, next week, if you put a marker in place... You don't have to find your place anywhere. You just turn right there. It's going to be the same set of verses. Now, the reason we're doing this is because we want to come at this same set of verses from multiple angles. We're going to see the goal of the relationship, the motivation of the relationship. We're going to see the nature and the competition for that relationship, and we're going to end with the benefits of what this relationship is all about. There's going to be a lot that we dig into in this series. Now, I am sharing this series for three primary reasons. There's probably 50, but these are my three primary reasons. I believe they're in your notes. First, everything God desires to do in and through your life, he will accomplish out of the overflow of your relationship with him. Everything. Not some things, not a couple of things, everything. When God wants to stoke the fire of your passion, it'll come as the overflow of relationship. When God wants to do a work in your character, it's the overflow of relationship. When God wants to bring healing in a marriage or relationship, it's the overflow of relationship. It all comes back to the same piece. Here's the next one. Eternal life is to know God, and that's relationship. So a month ago, I taught an entire message here just on knowing God. Over in John chapter 17, verse 3. Now, this is more than about knowing about God. It is about knowing him. It is about an intimate, personal, vibrant, growing relationship with God. It is a relationship in which, if you're focused on it the right way, God will grow that relationship through the trials of your life. He'll grow them through the valleys. He'll grow them on the mountaintop. He will grow that relationship when you don't even think he's focused on relationship. He will use every aspect of your life as an avenue to grow that relationship with him. Here's a third reason we're doing it. An abiding relationship with Jesus changes everything. Everything. I spent years wandering aimlessly 
in my Christian life. And what I mean by that is my goals were two things. I wanted to do the right thing, and I also wanted to learn more about God. And if there's Christians being honest, chances are that's a lot of what other believers are wanting. They want to do the right thing. They want to know more, learn more about God. But, but here's what I found in that. When a pastor would get up on a Sunday and say, God wants you to be a man of prayer, I'd say, yes, let's do that. And then the next Sunday, it was, God wants you to share your faith. I was like, I don't know how, but if you show me, I'll try my best. And then it, you just keep going. God wants you to give. God wants you to serve. God wants your character to form into the likeness of Christ. God wants you to be in worship in him, in spirit and in truth. God wants this. And every single week, I would come back and I was like, yes, yes, help me, please. I, I want that. But after a while, you grow weary of trying your best to do all of those things and finding out you're not good enough to live up to the standard that you're trying to achieve in Scripture. And you get tired and you get weary. And then there's that other brand new believer who's worshiping with you on Sunday morning and their hands are still up and you're like, I can't remember the last time my hands went up. And then you're talking to that other person at work and they're getting something out of their walk with God. And you're like, I wish I got that out of my walk with God. There is a part of weariness that comes into the Christian life if the focus ever comes off of relationship. So with every challenge, I kept saying, God, help me to do it. Help me to do it. Only to find out that he's like, Paul, it's not about you doing something for me. It's about me doing a great work through you. It's about living out of the overflow of this relationship. So here's what I found during that time. I could be doctrinally sound and spiritually drained simultaneously. It's not just knowing the right information. It's knowing how to live the right information. That's why we're starting with this series. So today... If you might be in a place in your walk with God that you are spiritually frustrated, this is a series for you. If you might be in a place in your walk with God right now where you feel like things have plateaued, that you can't remember the last time you were excited about the things of God, this is a series for you. You might be in a place right now that you're wandering aimlessly and you really don't know what the focus is. It kind of changes week to week for you. This series is for you. You might be at a place right now that you are just on the cusp of discovering what Jesus is all about. And you're like, I don't know who he is, but there's some other people around me that seem to be excited about Jesus. I just want to find out more. Listen, this series is for you. This is ground zero. And not only starting the race with God, but finishing the race with God. It all flows out of what we're going to get into in this series. So, all that being said, I invite you, if you're not already there, to go in your Bibles. Philippians chapter 3. We'll be in verses 7 through 11. I'm speaking this morning on the subject, the goal of relationship. The goal of relationship. Let's begin in verse number 7, and we'll continue reading from there. But whatever things were gained to me, those things I have counted as loss for the sake of Christ. More than that, I count all things to be lost in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things. Pause there. If you pursue him long enough, 
not only will he remove things of your life that you really wanted, but he will always say, keep your hands open. And he's always, when the hands are open, he takes something out, but he'll also put other things back in. Suffered the loss of all things. And count them but rubbish so that I may gain Christ and may be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own derived from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which comes from God on the basis of faith, that I may know him in the power of his resurrection, in the fellowship of his sufferings, being conformed to his death, in order that I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we open your word this morning, beginning this brand new series, a brand new season, God, we ask today that you meet us this morning through the truths of your word. May your spirit guide us into all truth. And Lord, may we live out the incredible blessings that you've already placed in. And we'll thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. The Christian life is about relationship. And to be more specific, it's actually about three key relationships. Our relationship with God, our relationship with the church, as well as our relationship with the world. Now, this series will only focus on the first of those, our relationship with God. But we will dig into the other two relationships as time goes on. We're focused on this relationship with God from the very beginning. Now, when I speak of relationship, I have noticed that people hear that term or define that term or think about that term in different ways. So in 2021, people talk about broken relationships, dysfunctional relationships, codependent relationships, long-term, short-term, close and distant, surface-level, online relationships, just to name a few. So with so many different cultural contexts tied up in relationship, it can be confusing for the person to say, what do you mean by relationship with God? I got a lot of ideas about relationship. How does that play into a relationship with God? So that's one hurdle that we have to overcome in this series. There's another one that we find, and that is sometimes people get scared when a pastor starts talking about relationship. And the reason is understandable. A lot of us have been hurt. In fact, most of us have probably been hurt in relationships before. We've seen people do some difficult, hard, mean, unchristian-like things. And if you've been hurt in a relationship and then a pastor says it's all about relationship, there's an apprehension that comes up. Lord willing, there's going to be a lot of us who have had some healthy, biblical, strong relationships, and at least there is a pattern for there can be something different over here. But relationships mean different things to different people. It's a tricky subject. So bring that idea back into our context for this morning. When emotionally wounded people hear Christianity is all about relationship, sometimes their first thought is, I hope not because I stink at relationships. Some people might say, I, I could put on a clinic for dysfunctional relationships. I could tell you a lot of what not to do's. 
And sometimes people will be very honest and they'll say, and I recognize it's not all about other people. They're like, I got my own issues. I'm, I'm strange. I'm quirky. I, I don't know how to act around people sometimes. I, I can make a difficult situation worse because I just stare at people. I don't know what to do sometimes. I get it. So when that same pastor says Christianity is all about relationship, they're like, I hope not because I'm in trouble. First, let's put your mind at ease. God knows our struggles. He, amen, praise Jesus. He knows our weaknesses. Hey, listen, he made people quirky, generally speaking. Sometimes you might have picked up a little of that by yourself, but that's a whole other message. But hey, even if that's the case, here's the good news. God can do in us and through us and for us what we could never do for ourselves. You might be bad at relationships. Praise God, he is an expert at relationships. He will do in you and for you what you cannot do for yourself. So in the verses that I just read, the Apostle Paul gives a glimpse into his relationship with God. And in this glimpse, he helps us understand the dynamics of the relationship and the goal of the relationship and what makes his relationship with God intimate and strong. It's also in this same exact text in in Philippians chapter 3 that he helps us understand these were the things that were interfering with my relationship. These were the things I was doing wrong. And this is what I changed so that my relationship is now growing and vibrant and active. All of it is found in the same text. So this morning, if you get nothing else out of today's message, if you pick up this one truth and you pursue this one truth for the rest of your Christian life, I guarantee you it will do more for your relationship with God than anything else you can imagine. You might not see that relationship change overnight, but I guarantee you it will change faster than you expect. So here's your key truth for this morning. The goal of the relationship is to know Christ. The goal of the relationship is to know Christ. You find this over in verses 8 as well as in verse 10. Paul says, I count all things to be loss." in view of the surpassing value of knowing, of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. And he goes on to say that I may know him. Did you know that everyone has a goal for their relationship with God? And did you also know that the goal you set is often the target you're going to hit? So you might be saying, well, I, I don't know if I have a goal for my relationship with God. Chances are, whether it is stated are implied or just in your mind. You've got a goal. So a lot of times, here's the person's goal. I want to know more about the Bible. Another person's goal might be, when I die, I want to go to heaven. Somebody else's goal, it might be, i just trying to keep life between the ditches right now. Somebody else might say, I, I want to have a life that has more purpose and I believe that God has made me for a purpose and it's a part of knowing him that, that I understand that purpose. Whatever it might be, everyone, either stated or unstated, has a goal for their relationship with God. And often the goal you set is the target you're going to hit. So what was Paul's goal? He tells us in verse 8, more than that, I count all things 
to be lost in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. More than that, pause right there. Anytime you see something like that in Scripture, don't just run past it. Ask the question, what is that? What is he talking about there? He actually tells you back over in verses 4 through 6, more than his purity as a Jew, more than his heritage as an Israelite, more than his religious zeal, more than his prominence as a Pharisee, more than his self-righteousness, more than all of that, he says, I've counted those things as loss for their surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus. Now, the language of verse number 8 is not that these other things paled in comparison to knowing Jesus. That would make it sound as though that following Jesus is just a better option. That's not what he's saying. In fact, he says, I count all things as loss. That word loss is an accounting term. It's a negative. So here's what he's saying. When I trusted my heritage, when I trusted in my accomplishments, when I trusted in my religion, oh, watch out, watch out. Some of you who are like me, you love some disciplines and some systems. When I trusted my systems and my discipline, to make me right with God and keep me? He said, it's not that it took me a little further down the path. He says, it took me away from him. I went the opposite direction. It's a loss. It's not that those things might have gotten you a 3 out of 10 and Jesus is a 10 out of 10. It's that those things take you into the negatives. And here's the reason for that. The reason is because when you do those things, most of the time, if it actually works, if you are able to maintain that discipline, what's the first thing that happens in your life? You get proud of yourself. What happens when pride creeps in? Destruction follows behind it. But whenever you're focused on what it looks like to live in right relationship with God, and you know it's not that you changed your character yourself, and you know that it's not you who gave the discipline. It's not you who brought your marriage back together. And it's not you who did this. When you begin to see it's not you, all you can do is say, it's him. It's him. It's him. He gets the glory, and we get the blessing out of it. That's why this is so important. This word knowing here, it speaks of personal knowledge gained by contact. That's not the same as intellectual knowledge gained by study. You can know about someone by stalking them a little bit online. <laughs> I'm not recommending you do that, but I'm just saying it, it's happened. You can find out about their birthplace and their birthday. You can find out about the things they like and they don't like. You can find out a lot of information about someone and never actually have a relationship with that person. In this He's not saying, I want to know about Christ. He's saying, I want to know him. That is personal knowledge gained by contact, not intellectual knowledge that is gained by study. He wanted to know him. And also, this is a verb that it means keep on knowing. It's not, I just want to know him at the point of salvation, and then I'm going to do my religious stuff afterwards. It is, I want to keep on knowing him. 
I want to know him in the trials. I want to know him in the victories. I want to know him in the good days and in the bad days. I want to know him at work. I want to know him in my marriage. I want to know him when I got problems. I want to know him when I'm praising him. I want to know him at all parts. Just keep on knowing. It's continuous action of knowing him. So how do we get to know him? This is in your notes. We get to know Jesus by spending time with Jesus where the focus is on Jesus. That's a lot of Jesus, and it's supposed to be. We get to know Jesus by spending time with Jesus, where the focus is on Jesus. That's how you get to know anyone. You spend time with the person, and you focus on the person. Now, here's what happens a lot in our culture today. We spend time with someone while we are on our phones over here. Bartell, I'm going to share that again since you told me to. (laughs) Sometimes we're in that moment right there where where we might think we're getting to know that person because we're in the same room, we're in the vicinity, we're at the same table. But our focus is not on that person. You don't get to know that person like that. You get to know someone by spending time with them where the focus is on them. The same is true of your walk with God. You get to know him by spending time with him where the focus is on him. Now, the church has given a consistent but an unclear message over the years. And this is church universal. This is big church. That is, the consistent message has been to be a good Christian, to grow as a Christian. You need to read your Bible. You need to pray, you need to serve, you need to give financially, you need to share the gospel, you need to go. Like, those are the pieces that the church, it's been very clear on that. That's how you are a good Christian. But here's the issue. We have been unclear as to why we do those things. And if you ever separate the why from the spiritual discipline, it'll lead you right back into works-based righteousness, right back into religion. The why is so important. Without the why, we will create and then we will pursue our own goals. Without the why, we lead people back into religion. The goal of the spiritual disciplines is to stay together with knowing Christ. It's a package deal. Religion is spiritual activity apart from intimate relationship with God. That is not Christianity. The goal of the relationship is to know Christ. So I want you to see how these fit together with those same spiritual disciplines. The goal is to know Jesus. Bible reading is a spiritual discipline that helps us know him more. Do you see how they connect it? The Bible is God's revelation of himself to humanity. So as we read his word, as we spend time in his word, we get to know his character in his heart, in his passions. We get to know him through the reading of the word of God. They they stay together. Now, if we make the goal just to read the Bible every day to check something off a to-do list, or if we make the goal, I just want to learn more about the Bible, Or if we make the goal, like somebody told me I needed to do this and I don't want to see them next Sunday and not tell them I've done this. If we make the goal anything else, we're going to miss it. 
Now, please hear me. There's nothing wrong with reading the Bible to know more about the Bible. There's nothing wrong with reading the Bible in order to gain better understanding of Scripture. Nothing wrong with that. But it cannot replace the focus of knowing Him. There's different times and different ways you read the word. There's a time in which when I'm preparing for a message, I want to study the word. I want to know the word so that I can teach the word. But I don't combine my time and study for message prep with my time alone with God in the morning. It's two different times. It's two different focuses when I'm in the word. When I'm alone with God in the morning, my whole prayer is, God, help me to know you. God, help me to understand your heart in this text. Help me to see your character in this story. God, help me to know you. That's a different type of studying of Scripture. So if you read the Bible and you walk away and you've just gained Bible knowledge and you don't know Jesus more, we fell short of the mark. We have to pursue him. Here's another one. The the goal is to know Jesus. Prayer is communication. It is a spiritual discipline. It's communication with God. There is no strong relationships apart from strong communication. Prayer is not just, God, here's what I need. Prayer is also communication with your creator. It's in prayer that you also get to know him. The discipline lines up with the goal. So when I'm praying, a lot of times my prayer is, God, I don't understand this text. I don't understand what you're trying to share here. But I know your spirit will guide me into all truth. My heart's open. God, help me to know you. And then prayer is now engaging the goal. Here's another one. The goal is to know Jesus. Confession is a spiritual discipline to address any sin that interferes with my relationship with God. When there is sin that has been building up in your life, here's what I'll tell you. When you try to read your Bible, you feel awkward in his presence. We don't like awkward, so we finish quick. That's where you start praying general prayers, like, God, just bless everybody around me. Amen. (laughs) And we we, we get in and out. We're like, I I don't want to sit here too long because prayer begins to create this uncomfortable part so even the spiritual discipline of confession of sin it's linked back to knowing him so here it is when I confess my sin before God there is now a peace and a calmness that I feel in his presence I am at home with my creator and as I am at home with him and I'm just sitting there he begins to work on parts of my character that I would have missed had I ran in and ran right back out three seconds later. The discipline is connected back to the goal. Every spiritual discipline, whether study, prayer, fasting, service, simplicity, submission, solitude, you name it, it's all about being with God where the focus is on God so that we might know him deeply and that he might live his life through us. That's where the goals lead. Now, how do we know that knowing God or knowing Christ is the goal? I'm just going to answer it like this. Because that is the entire storyline of the Bible. The entire storyline is about relationship. The entire storyline of the Bible is not about activity. It's not about 
rules. It's not about to-do list. It is about relationship. So here's a, a gospel presentation that I have been sharing now for 12, 13, 14 years or so. And I will share the exact same statements almost every time I give the gospel presentation. And the reason I do that is because those people that God has blessed me to be able to serve in ministry, I want people to know those statements inside and out. I want it to be that inside of several weeks, maybe a couple of months, I start on one statement and you're finishing that same statement in your mind. I want it to be that when you're sitting down talking to that family member or you're talking to that neighbor and you know God just opened an opportunity to share the gospel, I don't want you to have to pull out some type of a phone like, how do I share the gospel real quick? I want you to instantly know, here's how I go from where that person is right back to their creator. I want you to know this is the gospel. But listen to the word relationship as we go through this. Here, here it is. Humanity was created for relationship with God. Our sin separated us from that relationship. That's where Romans says all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. It's not that some have sinned and others have been pretty good. It all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. The Bible also tells us that there was nothing that we could do to reconcile this relationship on our own. Good works, not enough. Religion, not enough. But this is where the story focuses on Jesus. Jesus did for us what we could never do for ourselves. Jesus lived a sinless life. Jesus died on the cross to pay the penalty for our sin. Jesus rose again three days later that we might have life. And here it is. And Jesus offers eternal life, a reconciled relationship to those who will repent of their sin by placing faith in him. That's the gospel. That's the good news. We live in a world with so much bad news, we need to be armed with the good news. We need to let people know your life might be broken, it might be hurting, it might have no purpose, but I've got good news for you. You've been created for relationship with God. The Holy Spirit is in hot pursuit of you. He's got you surrounded saying, come out with your hands up. God has a plan for your life, and let me tell you how that plan is going to live out. We need to be on the edge of what it looks like to share the gospel constantly at all times. The gospel is the only message that can save and sanctify and set someone free to live out their created purpose before God. Have you all ever had a job you really don't like? Hold on, hold on now, hold on. Don't say, I'm working it right now and that's my boss over there. That's a quick way to not have that job much longer. But if you've had one of those jobs you really have not enjoyed, chances are there was a time in which you're thinking about that job and you're like, I'm just going to keep on doing it because it's providing for myself or my family. I don't have passion for it, maybe not excited about it, but I'm just going to keep on doing it. There's those days that you show up at that job and you feel like a square peg in a round hole. You're like, this is not my jam. I don't like it, but it's putting food on my table. I'm going to keep on doing it. Like you, just, you keep doing those things. And then you look around, 
And a lot of times it looks like everybody around you has about the same mentality you do about that same job. They don't like it either. But it's, it's what you're doing at that moment. It's providing for needs. And somewhere down the road you're thinking, maybe God will change it and maybe I'll start to like it more. If you can identify with any of that, that's the exact same feeling you have when you have been created for a relationship with God and you've settled for religion. Listen, you do it because you just don't know what else to do. You do it because it seems like that's what others are doing. You, you keep doing those things, but there's no excitement. There's no passion. There's no joy. You, you feel like a, a, a square peg in a round hole. You look around sometimes, and other people don't seem to be that excited about it either. And you just hope, you hope that one day something's going to click, and all of a sudden you're going to be excited about it again. I have been a Christian for 27 years. I've been a pastor for right at 23 years. And churches are jam-packed full of believers who exactly fit that description. That is, they, they've not tapped into the joy of relationship. Now, for some people, it's because they lost sight of the goal. They got busy. They got distracted. They, they, they started looking at other things. But for other people, it's because they just didn't know the goal. They didn't know what they were supposed to be doing. Like they got saved, and, and here's, how we, here's how we learn in churches many times. You get saved, and you look and you see, well, that person's got a Bible. I guess I'll start bringing a Bible. Not a problem. Then all of a sudden, there's this offering plate. We, we hadn't done it for a while with COVID, but an offering plate goes by, and people are like, they keep putting some, some money in there. All right, apparently I'll put some money in there. And then you get some invitations, and people are like, hey, you want to come and be a part of our connect group? And you're like, well, if you're doing it, I guess I'll do that. And here's what happens. We create a picture of what we think the Christian life is based on what we've been seeing everybody else do around us. And that can be really good if you are hanging out with some passionate Jesus followers. And it can be really bad if you're amongst a bunch of dead believers say here's the thing some people just didn't know the goals to know him but when you know the goal it changes it now when I get up in the morning I know where these other pieces fit I know that when I'm reading my bible there's a reason I'm reading my bible I'm reading it that I might know him and when I pray, it's not just, God, give me, give me, give me, give me. I am praying because I need communication with my Heavenly Father. And when I pray, I get to know Him. When you worship on Sunday and you begin to look around, here's the joy of worshiping with a large group of believers that you miss when you're at home. Here's what happens. When you look out and you say, that person was set free. I know their story. Jesus saved that marriage. I know that story. God intervened in that person's addiction. All of a sudden, you're like, if he did it for them, he can do it for me. <laughs> See, what I, worship now in that context is, it's like a spiritual pep rally before God. You're like looking around and you're like high-fiving, like, Jesus is awesome. Why? Because there's something about a group of passionate believers getting together in the same room that all of a sudden it's contagious then. You just start to see he's able. He can do it. He can set us free. I, I don't have to just exist. There's more 
to this walk with God than what I've experienced. But if you don't know the goal, you just make it up along the way. And those goals never satisfy. They never get down into your bones and remind you of why you've been put on this planet. But we know the goal is to know him. I wake up with purpose every day. Even on the worst days, God can say, Paul, this is how you know me at that moment. Do you know that changes perspective constantly? Every part of life is an invitation to know him more. All along the way, you get glimpses of what it can be. There's times you're reading the word and it's almost like the spirit of God is whispering to you from the pages. There's times you come in and there's a worship set and it's like it's drawing you back to him. There's times that you're with that Christian friend and they challenge you in just the right way to help you recognize he made me for more than this. And here's the imagery that's been in my mind. Like spiritual salmon returning to the place of new birth, God is pulling us back to him. This is why we've been made, to know him and to be known by him. As Augustine said, thou hast made us for thyself, O Lord, and our heart is restless until it finds its rest in thee. How do we know him? First, you got to know the goal to pursue the goal. The second part, we get to know Jesus by spending time with Jesus, where the focus is on Jesus. Here's one final statement we close. A disciple who seeks to know God will always be met by a God who delights to make himself known. Always. The goal of the relationship is to know Christ. I'm going to ask you if you would bow your heads where you are for just a moment. Ask if the, the band would come back. Everybody just, this is a moment between you and God right now. When I'm sharing about knowing him and the goal is to know him there might be some people in the room today that you're saying, I've made the goal about everything other than knowing him. And I don't want to do that anymore. Make today that day that you, you just come before God and say, God, I want to know you. It might be that there's people in the room right now that you're here maybe for the first time, maybe second or third time, and you're not really sure what this whole Christian thing is about, but you want to know more. Whatever that might be, you're just interested. There's going to be pastors that will be standing down at the front. When those pastors are there, it might be in a moment that you just take one by the hand and you just say, I want to know God more. There might be some people just need prayer today. The enemy has been attacking in different directions and, and you, you don't necessarily know what to do. You just know you need some prayer. There's people who want to pray with you. 
And there might be some people in the room right now who you know I do not have a relationship with God, but I want one. And if that's the case, that can start today. Here's that gospel story again. Humanity is created for a relationship with God. Our sin separated us from that relationship. There's nothing we could do to make things right ourselves. Jesus did for us what we could not do. He lived a sinless life, died on the cross to pay the penalty for our sin, rose from the dead three days later that we might have life, and he offers eternal life, a reconciled relationship to those who will turn from their sin by placing faith in Jesus. If there's anything in your spirit right now that's saying, he's talking to you, don't turn a deaf ear to that still, small voice. Come and share with one of these pastors today. Heavenly Father, we ask that you would do what only you can do in this place. God, may you bring people into a sweet, intimate knowledge of you. God, may you lift weary spirits and breathe new life, new passion, new excitement. God, would you draw people to yourself in relationship? God, would you do what we cannot do? And we will thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand? And many of you, come as we sing.